This is Dr. Kara Shepard, and you're listening to Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. Thanks for listening to Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. Uh, what's about to be coming at you is part two of resp- goat respiratory stuff. Uh, and part one was about like the different things, like infectious things that can cause goats to have coughing or respiratory stuff. And part two is I'm going to talk about like the non-infectious things um, and a little bit about like diagnostics. Um... So hopefully part one was helpful. It was a little bit longer than I thought it was going to be by the time all was said and done. I think this part's going to be a little bit shorter, but it seems to make more sense to spread it apart this way, to me at least. Uh, If you have questions or want to come say hi on the internet, you can find the website at goatdoc.com. You can shoot me an email at goatdoccara at gmail.com. Uh, you can find me on the Instagram at goat underscore doc. Those are kind of like the main ways to find me um, on the internets. If you are super enjoying the podcast and uh, you think the information that I am sharing is worth uh, supporting with the financial contribution on a regular basis, you can head on over to patreon.com slash goat doc and check that out. Um, and join the small and super awesome group of Patreon patrons. And there's some like thank you gifts and working on like a like you know, kind of patron directed content type stuff uh, to happen over there. Um, but uh, everybody who listens to this, whether you are new or have been listening for your God. Uh, it's going to be like three, two and a half years now, um, January of 2021. And, uh, we're going on three years, I think this summer. So that's kind of fun. Um, and if you've been with me for a while or if you're brand new, thank you for listening. And, uh, you know, it's tell your goat friends, share with your friends that like goats and podcasts. That's, that's like the podcast tagline. If you like goats and you like podcasts, this podcast is for you. Uh, <laughs> But uh, share with your friends. If you can take a second and rate and review on your favorite podcast player app, that is helpful to, like, generate activity that the uh, algorithm artificial intelligence generator uh, shall notice and then be like, oh, other people who like these things may like this thing as well, and then that helps people to find the podcast. So those things are awesome. Thank you for listening. I don't think I'm going to blather on too much here at the beginning of this. And we're going to get right into talking about some other causes of like respiratory signs in goats. Um, so talked about infectious things last episode, talked about viruses, bacteria, and parasites. Um, those are like the big ones kind of worked from small to large. Um, and talked about the interplay amongst those a bit. Um, and then, uh, in any species, so I see any species, uh, and 
ones that has respiratory stuff and I always want to figure out what the primary cause is. Uh, that's important. Things that are coughing, like coughing happens for a reason. Coughing isn't just like something that it's done for fun. It's caused by like airway irritation and whether the airway irritation is from an infectious cause or whether it is from like uh, environmental cause or a mechanical anatomical cause like differentiating between those things is important because those things are all treated very differently and if I don't diagnose the thing correctly then I can actually make it worse so uh, we're going to talk about those different things. I'm obviously in the truck because that's how I roll when I do this. And I mostly know where I'm going, but forgive me if I uh, have to stop and figure out where I am. This podcast is provided with the intent to educate and inform. It is not a substitute for professional medical advice or veterinary care provided by your local vet and I strongly encourage you to establish and maintain a current and valid VCPR veterinarian client patient relationship with your local vet. We're going to get started by talking about inflammatory airway stuff. So that's like allergies, basically. So things that can cause inflammation. Um, and I mean, one of the things that can cause inflammation is infectious causes. Uh, so the... Um, any of the stuff we talked about last time causes inflammation um, and inflammation in general is like a whole a whole conversation um, there's like different cell signaling things that um, cause increase in heat increase in uh, like swelling and, th- and all of those things uh, occur in respiratory inflammation which may be uh, in response to an infectious cause, but also can be in response to an allergic cause. Um, but this, it's fairly uncommon in goats, uh, at least like to the best of our current understanding. We don't see goats when like when we see small animal patients, for example, like cats, really, really commonly get asthma, and cats with asthma have a very like distinct look uh, about their ex on their x-rays when you look at their chest x-rays uh, we call it a bronchial pattern uh, and there's just things that you can see the inflammation around the airways and the lungs so last episode we talked a little bit about the anatomy of the respiratory tract as well and how like the further down toward out into the parenchymal tissue so that like parenchyma is like the functional part of the organ and for lungs the function the function is oxygen exchange and for oxygen exchange to work well, there can't there can't be a lot of tissue um, for the gas to go across the membranes. There can't, just can't be a lot of tissue between the the blood and the air. So um, when there is inflammation, and if it's like an uh, you can see you can see the inflammation on X-rays. So you can see those airways, which airways are little tubes, and you can you can see them on x-rays where you shouldn't in like for example a respiratory cat Uh, when i write up notes about x-rays on an asthma cat i call it a bronchial pattern uh, generally be like diffuse bronchial pattern um, consistent with inflammatory airway disease slash asthma and um, 
a normal normal lung should not look like that. I think of it, we learned in vet school that it's like uh, donuts and tramways or tra- train tracks, something about trains, um, because when you look at the airways, if they're going like horizontally in front of you, you see the two sides of it. So it's like two parallel lines. And if you're looking at them end on, it looks like a donut. Um, I think of it as like, it looks to me like a cut sponge. So all those little, those little circles look like the cut surface of a sponge to me. And that's how I, that was the big thing for me learning about chest x-rays like is this an interstitial pattern is this a uh, bronchial pattern the being thinking oh it looks like a sponge it's bronchial that was a big one for me so if any vet students are listening and that's helpful for you I hope it's helpful Um, but really like I said in the last episode being in the emergency clinic now and looking at x-rays all the time is really like that's that's what you got to do you just look at x-rays all the time Having said that, um, I don't have portable x-ray in my truck. Um, Portable x-ray used to be like you would go in the field and you would take the films and then you had to bring them back to the office and develop them uh, in the developer. Now there's like portable digital x-ray, which has instant gratification and is amazing, but it also is probably to the tune of roughly $100,000 to get set up with it, and I can't really quite justify that for my ambulatory practice right now. Yeah. Uh, So I don't get to look at a lot of goat x-rays, unfortunately. Um, And I don't think in general people get to look at a a lot of goat x-rays because of this, because they're livestock, because we go to the farm, because we just don't have the capacity to do so. And having said all that, like, maybe goat allergic respiratory, like an an allergic airway disease, inflammatory airway disease uh, is underdiagnosed in goats because we don't take that many x-rays. Who knows? Um, Maybe someday portable digital x-ray will be way cheaper and we can take all the x-rays like we do of cats. I definitely take, I feel like I take way more chest x-rays of cats than dogs in the ER, but whatever. Um, yeah, so asthma, inflammatory airway disease. Um, you might have like a transient inflammatory airway response, uh, depending on like, did you get a whole bunch of dusty hay thrown in the barn? Or, I mean, that's, that's, did you have some kind of like inhaled respiratory irritant that could cause inflammation? Sure. Um, and you might have like a transient response, but, um, asthma pretty uncommonly diagnosed in goats i did find one like anecdotal report of a goat that had like chronic coughing and respiratory difficulty and did great on an albuterol inhaler but that's definitely getting out in the weeds of uh goat med (laughs) so you know maybe it's underdiagnosed uh, next uh, reason for respiratory difficulty is heart disease. Um, so what we call cardiogenic uh, pulmonary pulmonary edema. Um, and more so it's kind of one of those things that is more likely to happen in very young animals with a congenital heart defect. So congenital means they were born with it. Maybe they're born with something anatomically wrong with the goat, uh, which does happen. I see like a, a fair number of animals with heart murmurs. Um, I see if, and I, I've seen older, and, and like those young animals certainly can succumb to um, cardiac failure and like 
you know, congestive heart failure, and that can uh, be their undoing. And also, I've seen a number of old animals. One of my own, my, she was a good girl. One of my own, like foundation does, died of heart failure. Uh, I think I talked about that in Tales from the Farm, like last year, because it was right before we moved. Um, but. Uh, all the organs, none of them last forever, and uh, old goats certainly can get heart disease. Uh, so basically the mechanism behind that is the heart isn't pumping as well as it should for whatever reason. Um, it's a young animal with like a congenital defect, uh, and, or it's an old animal that's just got its heart's wearing out. Um, and I think this is probably also like an under underreported, underdiagnosed area for animals because for goats because like we don't take chest X-rays, they might just acutely die, um, and then if they don't get a postmortem that specifically looks at the heart, if that's a concern, then you know how would you know? Um, if I had to bet, I would bet on like valvular disease in old goats that's just a hunch uh but i don't know maybe there's a cardiologist out there that wants to talk about it but uh, uh that would that would be kind of my my bet so in any case uh congestive heart failure happens when the heart does not pump the blood through the vessels in the lungs well enough so the pulmonary arteries and veins um they don't uh, don't get the blood pumped through with adequate pressure um, and then that causes fluid to kind of back up and leak out through the vessel walls. Um, and typically in, in small animals it typically happens in a very um, light, well cats can put their heart failure wherever they want it uh, most commonly, I would say animals uh, put it around the base of their heart. So we call it like perihilar edema. The hilus of the heart is like where the, I talked about in the last episode, where the main stem bronchi are. So where the trachea uh, separates into the two big branches. One goes out into each lung. Uh, the base of the heart is there. The... Um, which is like the top of the heart, not the pointy part, the part that the, the vessels come into. And uh, lymph nodes and a bunch of stuff. So typically when heart failure, uh, cardiogenic pulmonary edema occurs, it occurs at that heart base. Um, and you can see it on x-rays. It's a very like distinct pattern. Um, so fluid basically is leaking out into the lung parenchyma, the functional lung tissue. And if fluid is there, then it can't, uh, you know, then it impedes oxygen exchange. Anything filling up the, that parenchyma is going to impede oxygen exchange. So uh, that happens. Also, like, you know, then the airways start are filling up with fluid and that... Um, you know, the body wants to get rid of that and it can cause a coughing response. So uh, animals with congestive heart failure absolutely can have coughing. Um, it can be like coughing up fluid. It sounds like a wet cough usually when it's really bad. Um, and sometimes when they 
pass, you know, like when I euthanize a bad congestive heart failure animal, whether it's a dog or a cat, like once they're they're unconscious and they're gone, um, the the fluid just comes out of them and just comes out of their nose and their mouth, and it really emphasizes the fact that like it's kind of it's it sounds awful to say, um, but it's kind of like they're drowning in their own fluid because their heart can't get rid of it. Um, their heart isn't pumping enough to get the fluid through the vessels out of the lungs. Um, other thing that can cause coughing with heart disease, definitely in small animals, maybe in goats, maybe maybe not so much, is like physical changes of the heart. So the heart is a muscle, right? And uh, it can it's if there's something going on, the muscle tissue is going to remodel to try to compensate for it. So. Um, if something was damaged or something isn't working as well as maybe it should or could, um, the other muscles of other around that area or other parts of the heart are going to like buff up a little bit to try to be like, okay, we're going to do a better job because this part of us isn't doing that great a job right now. Um, and that can cause enlargement of certain parts of the heart. Um, and also like if there's valvular disease, so if blood isn't getting pushed through, um, if it's leaking backwards through the valves of the heart, um, then those chambers can become enlarged just because there's more pressure in there than there normally should be. So different things can cause different parts of the heart to enlarge, uh, whether it's the inside of the heart or it's the actual muscle of the heart. Um, but sometimes what happens definitely happens in dogs, um, less commonly in cats. And, and like, I can't definitively say in goats because I just don't think we know because of the thing I said, maybe it's under diagnosed maybe we don't know at all um like the heart changes size and shape and it pushes on the trachea so pushing on the trachea causes a mechanical irritation where the body's like hey there's something in my trachea i should that shouldn't be there like something shouldn't be down deep in my chest in my trachea i need to cough to get rid of it so then those animals will cough um all this heart stuff I'm kind of extrapolating a lot from like small animal really um I don't even think we talked about goats once in cardiology in vet school honestly uh I remember seeing a couple of little Nubian goats walking down the hall at Tufts to cardiology but unfortunately I wasn't on cardiology at that point um and though I think they had murmurs and they were trying to figure out what was going on they were like somebody's pets that they wanted to have see a cardiologist so they saw a cardiologist but I don't know anything else about them um because most goats don't get to go to a cardiologist um certainly a concern for like breeding program if you have an animal that has a known heart murmur I would think twice about breeding that animal um especially if it's a buck I would really not encourage using that animal for breeding uh, if you're going to spread its genes around because there's a concern for how much of that heart issue may have a genetic component so we don't want to spread that around we want to build a better goat uh, we don't want to have to make more goats with heart murmurs um yeah so like i said extrapolating a lot from heart disease in small animals because that's what i see more of these days and uh but the but the same like the same concepts apply we all have hearts we all have lungs it's the same like physiologic prince and anatomical principles applying there 
So that's cardiogenic. Um, and what's the last thing I got to talk about here? Um, oh, so then like zebras. Okay. Well, I mean, maybe not so much zebras. Anatomical, functional, and neoplastic things that can happen that can cause a cough or respiratory signs. Um, so just talked about like the heart thing where there's, uh, if the heart is enlarged or changing in shape, uh, can cause a, um, like a mechanical thing that irritates the trachea and causes that cough impulse. So anything that is a mechan- like a physical thing that you can see or otherwise detect that would cause a stimulation to the trachea can cause a cough, can cause respiratory signs. Um, so we talked, some of these things we kind of touched on a little bit. Um, so I guess we'll start like down deep in the chest again, since we're talking about the heart. Talked about abscesses last episode when I talked about CL. So certainly can have abscesses in the chest. Um, whether they're CL, so like an infectious between animals cause, or they are um, environmental organisms. So sometimes what can happen, there's like a bad pneumonia. Um, and then you get secondary invaders, and there is a pretty classic um, uh, organism that's like an environmental organism, but really likes to make abscesses and small ruminants. True, is it Truparella now? I can't. Is that the new? That's the new genus, Truparella pyogenes. Um, I think is the one. The new, either that's the new name or the old name. Can't remember. Um, but it's not so much infectious between animals, it's just that it's always there, and when it causes a problem, likes to make abscesses, and if it happens to be down in the airways, happens to get down there, and has an opportunity to make an abscess, can make an abscess that can cause a cough, can cause respiratory irritation. Those abscesses can get big and impressive, um, and definitely big enough to cause irritation and a cough, or, you know, otherwise, like, difficulty breathing, invade like any space occupying thing down in the tissue is gonna impede lung function it's not like goats are like racehorses you know it's not like they need huge lung capacity um but you know they do need some and if you have something making a gigantic abscess in the chest eventually it's gonna you know be big enough that it is like affecting how much space there is for oxygen exchange um so abscesses um the uh other stuff that can happen down deep in the chest uh metastasis from cancer uh and i was looking this up i i didn't know this before i think i saw that found this in some proceedings somewhere i don't think about like the numbers for this like age-wise before I read this that um, you know incidence of tumors especially maybe in particular like reproductive tumors in does goes up pretty significantly after they're seven years old um, so I mean seven years a seven-year-old doe is not a young doe anymore and like definitely more likely to have reproductive tumors going on I don't it's not one that I'm like oh she's seven she's ancient she's got cancer um when I get does that are like 10 and 12 years old I'm like they're old and my worry about cancer goes up significantly but uh certainly is possible maybe a little bit more likely once they hit seven or older um 
So uterine or cervical tumors in particular can metastasize to the chest. Again, anything, metastatic lesions, get in there, take up space, take up the space that should be being used for oxygen exchange and cause problems. Um, the other pretty common as far as cancer goes in goats um, is a tumor called a thymoma. Um, and it comes from the thymus, uh, which is one of the, oh boy, it's one of the immune function organs and tends to be more active in younger animals. Um, I can't, there's something, it's like a primary immune organ, I can't remember. Uh, it tends to be there more in young animals and then it like regresses somewhat as the animals get older. So if you like postmortemed a young animal versus an old animal, the thymus is much more like, ooh, there it is in a young animal. Um, an old animal, you'd be like, oh, this little kind of like residual bit of thymic tissue is the thymus now because the immune system in an older animal is like, okay, this is me. I've got my thing. I'm not developing anymore. Um, and in a young kid, it's still developing. Um, the thymus is kind of like, it's glandular. Is it really glandular? Not really glandular, but it kind of looks like that on a postmortem. Um, it, it's kind of this, like, it's not a really, like, well-contained, like, focal thing. kind of is, like, little bits up in the throat area, and then maybe, like, little bits kind of down the neck. And then there can be more down, like at the uh, thoracic inlet uh, can be some in the chest too um, and those uh, thymoma so if that tissue uh, starts behaving badly and starts replicating rapidly and out of control and not doing what it's supposed to do can get quite large and impressive um, and can be intrathoracic so inside the chest inside the rib cage um, or extra thoracic outside of the rib cage. Um, seen both uh, x-rays on these guys can be quite impressive. You can see the heart and then you can see like, oh, here's this big old thing that shouldn't be here. It's usually displacing the heart. Um, it's usually more like craniovental, so like down and in the front. Um, and then the heart is kind of pushed up and back. Um, definitely can get big enough to uh, make it difficult to breathe, um, push on the heart, cause problems that way. Um, don't tend, these don't tend to be metastatic, um, but they tend to be tumors that uh, cause a problem because of their physical location and size. So it's not so much that like, ooh, this cancer is going to spread all over the body as like it's in a place where important things like the heart and the lungs live and um, those things need space to function correctly. Uh, last uh, kind of anatomical functional thing to talk about is like in the upper airway um, and maybe Nubians are overrepresented, um, and maybe boars too. But I, any the, this, and then that. I mean, you can get in like the Middle Eastern breeds that have the really crazy Roman noses. Um, so animals with really big Roman noses tend their upper jaw tends to be shortened. Um, 
and kind of tuck down and making like they have a big underbite and then their nostrils also tend to be like downwards um, and this just creates an anatomical situation where they um you know, they have upper airway stuff. Their nostrils are squished, so they have loud, snorkely noises. Um, they may have, like, you know, difficulty breathing. They may have, like, open mouth breathing uh, if they're running around because they can't exchange air through their squished faces. Um, this is also, like, like what we call brachycephalic dogs. So pugs and Bostons and... Boston Terriers, uh, Old English Bulldogs, uh, all that crew with the squished faces, which I love. Um, and I will fight people about that. I don't, I don't think we should stop breeding brachycephalic animals because I have had, I, we just need to do a better job at it. Um, some of them are a hot mess, but some of them are like Satchmo who used to run 5k with me four times a week with our Vishla. So some of them can be very, very healthy and, uh, happy and functional animals and awesome. And some of them are hot messes. So yeah, that's a whole nother conversation, but, uh, definitely these guys with the crazy Roman noses and like the squished down nostrils like that's like we call it stenotic air, air stenotic nares in brachycephalic dogs um and you can't breathe if your nostrils are squished so that causes a problem um I think that's all of the things the other things that I wanted to talk about in this episode I uh, talked about diagnostics a little bit um, in terms of x-rays and that like we don't get a lot of x-rays in goats certainly like if you looked at all the veterinary x-rays in the United States the vast 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 majority of them are dogs and cats uh, probably then followed by horses and all of our other like livestock species are then like you know a very very small percentage of them because they're hard to image because they're big goats not so much but goats like I said don't tend to come into the clinic and then if they did come in the clinic like when we take x-rays of dogs and cats they have to lay down on the table um and just the physical nature of the x-ray equipment in the clinic like you can't move the x-ray equipment around the goat in the clinic typically it's fixed in one place where the patient has to lay on the table and, uh, it, you know, it's much easier to move the equipment around the animal in the case of a goat, unless you're going to sedate it. People don't like to sedate goats, this whole thing. So x-rays though are like a great diagnostic if it's an option. Um, you can really tell by learning to recognize those respiratory patterns, uh, those lung patterns on x-ray you can have a better idea of what's going on not suggesting that you know your average goat owner should know how to read goat x-rays but uh, x-ray is a very useful diagnostic as far as diagnosing respiratory disease unfortunately not readily available um the listening to the lungs is helpful um goat lungs don't sound like bad which, which sounds silly until I qualify it by saying like sheep lungs always sound crappy like healthy normal sheep their lungs sound loud as compared to like almost any other species of like roughly the same size and shape so like big dog lungs and then like sheep lungs sheep sound if that was a dog you'd be like what is wrong with this dog um 
but uh, goats are not so bad. Um, they, sh they have pretty quiet, normal lung sounds. Things that uh, I am looking for when I listen to a goat are like, can I hear lung sounds in all the places that I should? If I can't hear lung sounds, it means that there's something in the way, whether the something is like soft tissue, fluid, uh, or um, air. Or those would be the big things. So anything that is causing a space or um, fill between the outside of the chest and the air moving causes you to not be able to hear the air moving. Um, so that's one thing that I'm looking for when I'm listening to goats. Um, another thing is, what do those noises sound like? Are the noises loud? Do I hear crackles or wheezes? So what would cause crackles? And that is like, it's, it's you know it when you hear it. It sounds like Rice Krispies. Um, and that is caused by like the airways being kind of stuck together, usually with fluid, and then snapping open um, as air moves in and out. So not uncommon with congestive heart failure. Um, Probably, yeah, probably that way. Or, or anything else that can cause fluid in the lungs. Pneumonia. Um, wheezing, like like whistling sounds in the lungs is like from what cause, how do things whistle? You know, you if you're whistling, you close your lips together and you're making this narrow um, airway that air is moving more quickly through. So narrowed airways, inflammation, or, you know, well inflammation which could be infectious from pneumonia or anything else that can can cause that um anything else that can cause inflammation so those are abnormal lung sounds um the distribution of the lung sounds can be useful too if i hear um no sounds in the lung like in the chest like down low that makes me more suspicious for like fluid because fluid would go down um if i hear no lung sounds up high that would make me suspicious for like air being inside the chest but outside the lungs which is what we call a pneumothorax um pretty uncommon in goats. I've never seen one in a goat. Um, but could happen. Uh, and But like air goes up. Air is lighter than lung tissue so it would rise to the top and that would tell me I'm more suspicious for air. One other thing to say about physical exam, uh, like respiratory physical exam for your goats is um, there's a, a play, it's like, it has to do with the physics of inhaling and exhaling, and it can help to tell whether the problem is like deep in the lung or if it is like upper airway problem. And it has to do with the fact that when you inhale, if they're like, if you have congestion um, or like your nose is blocked or something like that it's hard to inhale um, and if you inhale really hard it's like your nostrils clamp down and they're even smaller so if there's an inspiratory problem if there's a problem when inhaling I am more suspicious of an upper airway problem and if there's a problem with exhaling, then I am more suspicious of a lower airway problem. Or if there's, like, a problem with, like, uh, an expiratory cough, I am more suspicious of lower airway issues. Another thing, so then it's like, the, the, that's my physical exam part. Talked about x-rays probably too much already. Um, other diagnostics are, like, can we isolate infectious agents from uh, 
from the airways. And then, but then you got to think about where are you getting your sample from? Are you getting your sample from the upper airway? And remember what we talked about, about the upper airway and commensal organisms. The mucosal surface of the upper airway is exposed to all kinds of stuff and dust and bugs and organisms and mold and stuff. So if you're just like doing a nasal swab, you know, I, I don't trust that result as much as like did you do a, t- a chest tap? Um, did you do like a stick a needle in a pocket of fluid in the chest? Um, if you did, which again, something that's not super commonly done in goats, uh, but you can do it. Um, and you got a sample and you cultured an organism from that, like that would be much more, uh, convincing to me. Other thing, other, um, sampling techniques that can be done but I'm kind of scared to do in the field because I've heard people say that they've had things die from doing these um, diagnostics like transtracheal wash so that's like going in through the trachea with some you like you want to get past that upper airway so you can go um like pass a catheter down uh, in the trachea and uh, get past that upper airway so get down past the pharynx into like the trachea area and then you squirt some saline in there and then you try to do it really fast so you squirt the saline in there and then suck it back up really quick so you pick up whatever's down there Um, you can do that and then you can do a deeper one that's called a bronchoalveolar wash and same idea but deeper Um, those things scare me because you're putting fluid in the lungs um and i like uh, i think i did one on a cow (laughs) um when i was in school uh and uh, like cows man are like indestructible and also like cow lung cows not again again not like cows are like these athletes like horses and they have gigantic lungs but they certainly um you know just have compare cow lung size to goat lung size there's a lot more um space in there so putting you know 30 cc's of sterile saline into a cow lung is a lot different than a goat lung and then sucking it back up so and plus like i said cows are like crazy indestructible it seems like um so those are some ways of getting samples Um, And this is why, like, people, you know, I think we've got better COVID testing now, but this is why, like, at the beginning of COVID, everybody was freaking out. I haven't had to do this, but everybody was freaking out about the nasal swab, and they're like, oh, my God, it's like they're poking your brain, and they have to swab so far back um, to make sure they're getting, like, the right sample, because that, I would have to just, like, stick it in the outside of your nose. There's all kinds of crap in the outside of your nose, and, like, are you you really going to get a useful result? So that's that's the story with sampling. Um, you also, if you do one of those, like a, a transtracheal wash or a bronchoalveolar lavage, um, and you get that fluid back, not only can you culture it, but you can also look at a cytology. Um, so that means just looking at the cells under the microscope and different kinds of cells um, will tell you different things. And uh, like you might see bacteria on one of those things. Um, there's more also more commonly done in horses i have a vague recollection of this happening while i was in large animal medicine in school um because you can i think you can fairly reliably 
determine like, oh, is this an allergic thing or is this an infectious thing based on the kind of cells that are there in horses. But again, not something that's super, super commonly done. Um, goats have really little tracheas. So like, yeah. I think that kind of covers the respiratory thing. I get, like I may have said in the last episode, I get lots of questions about things coughing. Oh, one thing I didn't say, um, thing that can cause a cough is like just, and, and it's like the, um, like the physical irritation in the world is like the air. Um, this time of year, I mean, it's not too bad today. I've been out and about. It was pretty cold at my first call this morning, but not so cold um, the rest of the day. And um, But, like, the cold, cold, dry air. If you're outside and it's cold, and I'm talking, like, main cold up here is, like, you know, single digits, teens. Um, when I take my dogs out for a run, when I'm getting warmed up at first, I have, like, the face muff on because inhaling that cold air like it hurts it feels feels bad um and it can cause a cough so anything like that certainly can can cause a cough too if you like run in a little like you know crazy goat kids um run outside first thing in the morning and run around and are breathing more heavily that cold dry uh air then that certainly can make you cough so things like that as well um, aside from that, I think that's all, that's what I got for notes. Um, if you have questions about coughing things, you know, I will do my best to try to help with that. Um, get, find me on the internet, uh, at those places, go doc.com, go underscore doc on Instagram, uh, etc. Um, I think for the moment that's going to do it and I will talk to you guys next time.